Welcome to the Nashville Vineyard Podcast. For more information, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you have a great day. So we're, we're talking through some stuff recently, just things the Lord is dealing with us on, and, and um, we're not necessarily in a series that's going to start in a few weeks, but just different aspects that the Lord has been highlighting to us about what we need to, to speak on and, and one of the, you know, what he's wanting. And so we went through a little talk about um, what he's wanting to do and, and all of that. And then last week, I felt like we were supposed to talk through, you know, what are we doing as a church and how is that supposed to function? And so this is kind of a, a little bit uh, on that, in, in that vein. We're going to actually talk about the idea of being a prophetic church um, we, we are a prophetic church, and we feel called to that. And so we're going to talk through that. It's going to be a little bit more of a teaching today than, um, than a, maybe a, a normal preaching that I do. But I just felt like we're supposed to begin to talk through that a bit. And the reason is, is I, I don't know if you know this, I am maybe not the typical uh, pastor that you may be used to. I'm currently, uh, I work at a bank. I'm a, I'm a commercial banker, and um, I'm also working on a startup uh, that that uh, me and a couple uh, friends are are working on, and so I'm just I'm kind of a business minded guy. I'm an I'm an MBA and an MDiv type of an environment, and so that's just where my brain is a lot of the time. And so I was listening to this podcast on on uh, that NPR does called How I Built This, and uh, it's about all these different startup companies. And it's just fascinating. I just find that stuff so fascinating. And I was listening to this uh, the story of how. Um, this company Vice uh, was was started and how it was made. It's Vice is a, a very large uh, kind of an alt media company, and uh, it's it's now valued. I can't remember. Rick, do you remember how many billions? Six billion dollars is Vice Media, and and so it, it chronicles how it started, and it was just really fascinating. But uh, in listening to that, uh, I, I actually there was right at the beginning they talk about how it first got started. And the guy that started it was actually, he was a heroin addict. And uh, he was strung out on heroin for, for quite some time and uh, wanted to get his life back together and went into uh, to like rehab and, and went through the rehab program. It was pretty intense. And then, you know, they told him, you know, you need to go to, to uh, you know, NA meetings, you know, once every day at least for 30, 40, 50 days. And so he actually wanted to, to really recover. And so he went about three times a day. And so he would just drive his bike from NA meeting to NA meeting. And in one of those NA meetings, it was the first time he was ever there, he, he had it on his brain and his heart. He wanted to be in journalism, and he had no background in journalism. He had no idea how you, how you do that, no, no formal training, nothing like that. And so he went to this NA meeting, and he was just, like, consumed with this idea. I want to go into some sort of journalism, some sort of media. And he shows up at this NA meeting, and this is in, I think, Montreal, and uh, after the meeting is over, this guy comes up to him and he says, uh, he introduces himself and he says, he says, hey, I, I, I want to introduce you to some people. I think you should be in journalism. And I want to, I want to open up some doors for you in journalism. And, uh, and, and, he, and so he took him and he said, I actually have a friend who works in journalism and, and he's hiring and I'm going to vouch for you and, and we're going to get you a job. The guy had no knowledge of him. And, uh, and so as I was listening to that, I was like, oh, man, that is so cool. That's, the guy just came and just dropped this prophetic bomb on him and, and all of that. And so it was what the, the most interesting part was is that as the NPR guy that was, that was interviewing him was sitting there and as he was telling the story back, they just, 
they didn't know what to do with this part of the story. And they just paused and, and the guy said, yeah, he said, at that point in my life, I, I don't know what to call it, but there is a higher power who's orchestrating things. At that point, I was for sure. And they just kind of stumbled over this idea for like this awkward 45 seconds of, they didn't have a framework for this. And I feel like the Lord say that, that this is the impact that my words can have in a day-to-day life. And so this guy's word that he dropped out of nowhere, and I, and I really believe, I don't know for sure, he couldn't even tell you the guy's name, but I believe it was an unction, it was a leading from the Lord, and he came and he delivered a timely prophetic word to this guy that started now one of the largest, uh, most influential media companies in the world. All from the genesis of this strange interaction that they had no framework for. And I believe the Lord wants to do this every day, all the time, in all of our lives. And it's unreal, I think, what we could imagine could happen if we began to speak the words that God is saying to those around us. And so I I began thinking about that and and just how I long to be uh, used in that arena. I long for us to be used in that arena. And so I want to talk through the idea of being a prophetic church and what that looks like. But I'm going to need some help. So let's pray real quick. All right, Father, we just thank you so much. Um, We thank you for your word, that you're still speaking, that you're still active, you're still moving. Uh, Holy Spirit, this is your church. I just ask that you season anything I'm about to say with your anointing and your grace. Would you give us hearts to receive and ears to hear, and would you make it easy for me to preach? It's your name. Jesus, amen. So if I say prophetic church, depending upon your background, it could, it could ignite all kinds of images in your brains, some good and some bad. And you may think of, of horns and, uh, and dresses and, and other things and, and think that that's prophetic church. And, and it, that is to a prophetic church as a, as a floor mat is to a car. I mean, it's a piece, but it's not the whole thing. And some of you may not even have a frame of reference for the idea of a prophetic church. And what does that mean? And some of us, we think about these Old Testament prophets and, and we think about what does that look like? And so I want to kind of talk about what do I even mean when I say prophetic church? Well, if we think to, to last week, we talked through uh, this idea where Jesus looks at Peter and Peter has just recognized, he's the first one to acknowledge that Jesus is the Christ. He's the son of God. And Jesus looks at Peter and he says, it's on this testimony, on this rock, the rock of ages, that that Jesus is the Son of God, that I'm going to build my church, of which the gates of hell, hell will not prevail. And so we have to start there. So Jesus is building his church. It's his church. And on his church that he's building it is the fact that he is the Christ, the Son of God. So I want us, we're going to do a lot of scripture, and none of it is up here. So grab your phones, get to your Bible apps. We've, I actually have gone through, and we've got Bibles in front of the pews. If you don't have a Bible, please keep this. That's yours. It was here when we got here, so we've, we were given it from the church that was here before, and we've used them, so you can have them now. But, I, but so if you don't have a Bible app, or, or if you don't have access to that, uh, go ahead and grab one of these. We're going to be reading through a lot of scripture, so... I just want to prepare you for that. So we're going to start in Revelation 19.10. Revelation, obviously, very super easy book to understand. You guys have a pretty good grasp on that, so I don't have to go into explain that at all. Um, Revelation 19.10, John is, is in, you know, he's experiencing these crazy 
uh, uh, scenes that the Lord is showing him of different things. And, and he's, you know, he's just witnessed the throne room and all, and all of this stuff that's going on. And the angel of the Lord turns to him and, and, and he starts saying, you know, these are the words. And so uh, he actually falls to his feet and he begins to worship the angel. And the angel's like, dude, wrong person worship. And then we go into Revelation 19.10, and John says, And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I am your fellow servant, and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. The church is built on the testimony of Jesus. That's what he said when he was talking to Peter, that on the testimony of Jesus, I will build my church. So being a prophetic church, there's really no other way to be a church. The church is a prophetic because it's built upon the spirit, uh, the testimony of Jesus, which is inherently the spirit of prophecy. So that's important. We have to understand that, that the idea of a prophetic church is almost redundant because the church being built upon the testimony of Jesus carries with it the spirit of prophecy. So which begs the question, hopefully, what is prophecy? What do we mean? And and what is the spirit of prophecy? And how does this work? I'm glad you asked that. So we have to understand that prophecy is more than just speaking revelation. Prophecy is more than just telling the future. It's more than just whatever you think it is. It's it's a little bit different than, than probably what's typically thought of when we say the word prophecy. We have to understand that. So simply put, prophecy is not just saying what you've heard God say. It's actually God saying through you his words. And and it's a fundamentally different type of speech than our typical speech. It carries with it God's word. And we would deliver God's word, just like with John, it will cause you to drop. It will change things. And John, when, when the angel of the Lord said, I'm speaking the words of God, he fell at his face. He didn't fall at his face when he saw all of the crazy things, but he fell at his face when he realized that God's words were being spoken. Because there is nothing more catalytic and more powerful in the entire universe than the word of God. It, 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 is, it is absolutely the most powerful thing that we know of. So when we speak his words, we speak power. Because we're speaking the words of God. So it's different. Proverbs 18.21 says that, that death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who, um, who love it will eat its fruits. So, so our speech is powerful anyway. I mean, as believers, we, our speech carries weight. But there's something even, in, even fundamentally different when it's prophetic speech. When we're speaking the words of God. Uh, Jesus mentions this in John 6.63. Uh, He says that it's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. The words that I speak to you are spirit and life. It's interesting. He doesn't say that the words that I'm speaking to you about the spirit are life, but he says the literal words that I'm speaking are spirit and they're spirit and life. Jesus says that only the spirit can deposit life. Without the spirit, it won't happen. The words he's spoken have substance in the spirit realm that release the life of the person. When God speaks through Jesus, who only spoke and only did what he heard the Father saying, the words release the spirit. And likewise, God is living in us. When he speaks through us, the words release our spirit, and they can impart life. And Peter makes this distinction clear in in John 6, 68. And and, and he doesn't really understand what Jesus is saying, and, and he was very dense, but he recognized the power on the words that he spoke. And he said, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
you have the words of eternal life. Again, he doesn't say you have the words that are about eternal life, but the literal words have life. They are life. Only Jesus had the word of life, and Peter recognized it. And he was smart enough to see, even though he didn't understand, that he needed those words. And the reason is because when God speaks, things happen, right? He spoke the world into existence. I mean, I mean he, he, he brought forth everything with his word. It's why Jesus is the word of God, made flesh. It's everything about God that he's ever spoken in the flesh, in a person, in Jesus. It's dynamic. When his word speaks, Things shift in the spiritual realm. They, sp- they shift in the natural realm. There's power in the words of God. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says, For as the rain and snow come down from heaven and do, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent. And prophecy is God releasing his word through us. Paul mentions this, I I believe, in Ephesians 4.29. He says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such that is good for building up as it fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Our words, when they're inspired by God, can literally give grace. And grace is the means that the kingdom of God comes. Grace is the unmerited favor of the kingdom of God being bestowed. And when we speak the words of God, we actually, in part, give grace. That's powerful. And so that's what prophecy is. It's speech that releases grace for the people to receive the kingdom. And so if that's what prophecy is, then, then, then probably we, we have to go through who can get to do this stuff. You know, who is actually able to do this? Because if we remember vaguely somewhere, you know, that there's, there's a pretty big stipulation on these, these idea of prophets. Like, like there's all of these things that we hear. I mean, I'm sure you're wondering, what about Deuteronomy 18.20, right? That's where your heart, you're, what about Deuteronomy 18.20? I'm so glad you're wondering. Deuteronomy 18.20 says, But a prophet who presumes to speak in my name, anything I have not commanded, or a prophet who speaks in the name of other gods, is to be put to death. So now... (laughs) So what about that? I think it's a legitimate question, right? We have to to work through this stuff. So who's able to do that? Who really wants to do that? It's a lot of pressure. You know? We have to remember a couple things going through the rest of this uh, this talk this morning is that there's a difference between the office of prophet and, and prophecy and prophesying and prophetic speech. Those are different in the scriptures. There's different uh, distinctions between those. And then we also have to remember that there's two covenants, two distinct separate covenants. That The covenants don't mesh together. They're not stacked on each other, but there is an old covenant and there is a new covenant and those are different. And so when we read something in the Old Covenant, we have to understand where it is and what it is. And then when we, when we see something in the New Covenant, we have to get that as well. So this was spoken in Deuteronomy, in the Mosaic Covenant. And the deal with the Old Covenant is, is that the Lord was ruling a people through specific people. 
And that, that people lack the ability, as Paul tells us later, to work out their own salvations with fear and trembling. Like everything was dependent upon a few select people that the Spirit would come upon, not within usually, but upon, that would then be directed to speak the literal words of God. They didn't have the scriptures. They didn't have a lot of these things. It was just happening. And so God was ruling a people, not necessarily on an individual internal level. So when we think about what we're reading in the Old Testament and, and through those lens, we have to understand that it's a, it's a different dimension of God. Well, in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, with Jesus, he's ruling on an internal level. He, he makes his dwelling not in a temple, not in an ark, but in us. And we actually have the ability to test the spirits and to understand that, that, that we can work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. So fundamentally, we're in a different position than they were in the Old Testament. And so it was a very high bar in the Old Testament for good reason, because people lack the ability to figure out the truth for themselves. It's really interesting, in Nehemiah, uh, at the end of Nehemiah, uh, the people have rebuilt the wall, and, and the children of Israel have gathered together, and they rediscover the scriptures. They were lost for generations, and they rediscover the scriptures. And these people were, I mean, legitimately trying to be people of God. They were trying to do the right thing. And they read the scriptures and they just began to weep because they were so far off on what God commanded. They had, they had gone so far to, the, to this extreme that they were so out of his favor. They didn't have the ability to, to have the spirit inside of them giving unction to things. They, they lacked it. It wasn't there. But now, now we have it. It's interesting though, even in the Mosaic Covenant... Even then, there's this echo, there's this foreshadowing that we see that Moses actually says. And we can find that in Numbers eleven twenty nine. He has this idea, this wish, this prayer. Moses, one of God's favorites that was on the mountain with Jesus. He has this prayer and he says, um, what happened is some people started prophesying and it was like catching, like wildfire. And so some of the prophets that weren't supposed to prophesy began to prophesy and Joshua tries to come in and give a little order to the situation and wants him to stop. And Moses rebukes him and he says, "Uh, are you jealous for my sake? Would that the Lord's people were all prophets, that the Lord would put his spirit in them and on them. This very thing actually happens, we know, in Acts 2. Right, that, that Jesus goes to the Father and he sends the Spirit and the Spirit lives inside of them. And the, and the, and the actual, the natural response to that is that, is that Paul sta- stands up and explains to all the people, or sorry, Peter, stands up and explains to all the people what's happening. In Acts 2, 16 through 18, he says this, but this was what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days I will pour out my spirit, and they shall prophesy. As the spirit of the Lord descends on his people, one aspect is the empowering to prophesy. We're all called to speak prophetically. It's now available to every one of us that we can actually begin to speak the words of God. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14, we're going to read verse 1 and then we're going to skip to 31 and 32. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. That word earnestly is the same word for covet. Like almost like this carnal craving of the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. 
For you can all prophesy one by one, so that all may learn and all may be encouraged, and that the spirits of the prophets are subject to the prophets. Everyone can do this. And everyone should do this. Because how many other stories are waiting to be told? How many other people and and ideas are waiting to be birthed through the word of the Lord? And depending upon on how we respond to this idea could very well alter the rest of the world. If we begin to function like this, everyone can prophesy. And everyone gets to play here. And so if it is for everyone, which it is, because Paul says that, he says we can all do it. It doesn't mean we're all prophets with a capital P. And we really shouldn't get hung up on that anyway. But we can all prophesy because the gifts come at different times and we can operate in different gifts. And it's not so much that I prophesy and you heal and all of this sort of stuff. But when the Lord wants to do something, he sends the appropriate gift through the Holy Spirit to do something at that time. So the gifts are situational. They're not occupational. Right? They're, they're, they're not necessarily uh, on a sp- certain person all the time, always. But we can all enter in. And we can all play. Which hopefully by now you're saying, okay, I can't refute the scriptures. I'm actually looking at it. So you're not making this up. Sometimes I'm worried, like, if I put it on the screen, do we just assume it's real? I don't know. Uh, but you've got it in your hands. You can see it for yourself. We all can actually prophesy. Which then we want to learn, how do we do that, right? I mean, hopefully, if it is something that we should desire above everything else, Paul tells us, then we have to understand, how do we even do this? So, so everyone can prophesy, but not everyone wants to do it. Not everyone thinks that it's something they should do. And as such, not everyone does it. And Paul is saying it's here, it's available. And it's something we're called to do as a church. It's in our DNA is that we're called to be a prophetic voice in our community, in our society, in our world, to begin to say things and speak things into existence, to call people forward. That's what we're called to do. And what, what we're called here to do in Nashville, in the Nashville Vineyard, is to, is to teach, to equip the saints, which is you guys, on how to do that. That's what the church is supposed to do here. So we have to learn if we're supposed to do this and if, we, if it's good for us to do this, then how do we do this? And so I think it's good to understand that, that prophetic speech, there's, there's different dimensions of it and it, and it comes in different ways. And, and we, we're going to offer uh, workshops on, on how to hear from the Lord and, and how we can do this. Uh, School of Kingdom Ministry, we, we hammer this home. We practice how do you hear from the Lord. We practice giving prophetic words. And so we're going to offer different avenues that we can begin to grow in this and learn in this together because the hope is that whatever we do here it goes out there like like this is great but it's better out there okay and Jesus wants his church back like he wants his church to be his church he wants his church to have the spirit of prophecy in its DNA and maybe it hasn't because maybe they haven't been built upon the testimony of Jesus right we talked about that that it's possible to gather under a name that isn't Jesus's name under the name of convenience or religion. But he wants his church back and he wants his church to prophesy. And we want to do that for him. We want to let him have his church back. But there's different ways that, that you can actually prophetically speak. And so this is uh, 
I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say like categories, and these categories you're not going to be able to find in the Bible. But it's just because I'm just using them as an example to say this is what the words are like. But I'm actually going to give scriptural reference to it, so just relax, it's coming. And uh, this is all very biblical, so don't worry, we're good. Uh, so there's four typical categories of how prophetic words work. There are now words, there's confirming words, there's future words, and there's new words. So a now word is, is a word that provides perspective on where we're currently positioned in the Lord. So it's some insight, some prophetic insight that the Holy Spirit is revealing to us about somebody else, about where they're currently at in the Lord, and as a way to encourage them. So a good example of this is, is in John, uh, where Jesus is talking to the woman the whale, at, at the well. I'm from East Tennessee, and every now and then some of that slips through. I try to, I try to keep it at bay. But, uh, so, so Jesus is encountering this Samaritan woman at the well. And it's an incredible like, look at what can happen with a prophetic word that's spoken. And so we're going to go through a few different parts of these. But he comes, comes to her in 17, and, uh, and he says, uh, he asks her, he said, you know, go get your husband. And she says, I, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says to her, you're right when you say that you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands, and the man you have now is not your husband. What you've just said is quite true. That's a now word. And now word a lot of times will get our attention. It, it'll, it'll help us to say, whoa, God sees me. Like, how do you know this? And it's just this instantaneous move into the idea that there's a God who sees and knows me and loves me. Words like this, words of knowledge like this, can cut down, cut through, like years of traditional witnessing. Because, because it just cuts through all of the apologetics that you have to do. And people don't necessarily, we're not logical, we're emotive. Like we're driven on our emotions. We want to be logical, but we're not. That's why we overeat. That's why people still smoke. We're just, we're more emotional than we give ourselves credit for. And a now word can cut through all of these sort of stuff. And you may not have the language for it, but there's no way in the world that you know this about me. So something's going on. And just like in that podcast, there's some sort of a higher power. There's something at work here that's greater than me. So Jesus uses this word, this now word, and that's just vernacular that we use to describe the word. There's also confirming words. A confirming word uh, provides strength to continue to fight. So it's a reassurance of saying, like, I, the Lord is saying that you're, you're to keep moving forward, that, that where you're at, you haven't hit the wall. But we can see this in Mark 12, 28, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. And noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked them of all the commandments, which is the most important. And Jesus says, the most important one is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord with God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. And so the, the, uh, the guy says, well said, teacher. You're right in saying that God is one and that there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus heard this, uh, and he answered wisely, he said, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And he saw his heart, and he exposed him. He said, you're, you're on the right track, man. Your heart is good. And that is the confirming word of saying, you just need to keep going. It's hard right now. The Lord is showing me that, that there are things in your life that you, you feel like they're going to they're gonna knock your legs out from under you, but he's saying stand firm even so. So that's a confirming word. There's also future words. Future word connects where we are with where we're going. 
So it gives context to the present, and it may even help us chart the course for the direction to be moving forward. This is important to understand, and, and, and we want to give a lot of training around this. But, but basically, we're not necessarily called to, to tell everyone what to do, right? So that's called manipulation, potentially. But we are called to say, hey, listen, you, you know, I, I feel like you know, over the next week, you're going to be presented with choices, and those choices are from the Lord. And he's giving you an option to choose. That's a future word. That's things that are coming from where they are now. Typically, a future word looks a lot different maybe than where they're at right now. And they need it. It's a lifeline. If you've ever received one of these, man, it's, it's just you go back to it, you write it down, and you, you just hold it in your heart. Mary treasured things in her heart. Mary treasured things from angels in her heart. We'll talk about that in a minute. So a, a scripture for this is John 4, 19. This is, again, in the, in the woman in the well story. And they're going through, and she, you know, he tells her, he reads her her mail, if, if you're uh, in the vein a little bit. He tells her this, this now word of what's going on, and so she kind of balks a bit and says, you know, oh, sir, I can see you're a prophet. Uh, our ancestors worship on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so this is the future word. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. So it's, it's Jesus sitting here saying, yeah, that's true. Here's what's coming. Here's what's getting ready to happen. So that's a future word. And then there's new words. New words will indicate a shift in the spiritual winds. They'll indicate that something is getting ready to change in your life, that there's breakthrough on the way for certain things, that there's a, a different dimensional realm that the Spirit is getting ready to carry you through. So an example of this, again, is we're, we're still in the context of the woman at the well. 423. Jesus says that, that yet a time is coming and has now come when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in the truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and truth. This is a new revelation he was giving, that, that, that there is a new time coming, that worship is going to change fundamentally from how you're used to doing it, going to the temple and going to the spaces. That there will be a time coming, and it's here now, that you're going to worship in spirit and in truth. And so it's a, it's a way that, that we explain, like, there is, there is breakthrough coming, and here's what's going to happen with that. Here's what I think is going to happen with that and what it's going to look like. So, so we have to understand that even within those categories, then in those words, there's, there's a couple different ways that, that the, the prophetic words can come from. So there's two categories. There's, there's foretelling and then there's forthtelling. Okay? We're getting in the weeds here a little bit. Are you guys okay? All right. So foretelling is, is you're calling in something from the future. You're saying, this is what the Lord is showing me about an event yet to come. And, uh, and so we, we've seen that. Um, Jesus is our primary example here of, of what it looks like because he actually was the prototype that we're supposed to be. And so he even said that whatever you see from me, expect to do greater than these things. So we're looking at Jesus. We're looking at his ministry to say, what does this look like when it, when it comes to me? So let's look at another example from Jesus about the idea of foretelling. In Mark 13, 1 through 2, it says, And as he, Jesus, came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what wonderful stones and what wonderful buildings. And Jesus said to him, Do you see these great buildings? There will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. And we know that 
wasn't too long after that that the temple was destroyed. It was an unthinkable thing that could happen at the time. In fact, it's one of the reasons that they brought him before uh, the authorities. They accused him that he was threatening to destroy the temple. But he was foretelling. He was saying, these are things that are coming. And so they look back on that, the disciples, after, after it had happened. They said, wow, do you remember when he said this? It's crazy. You know, the revelation of Jesus sometimes happens over time. And you, you keep understanding, wow, it's deeper than I even imagined. I can just picture them grappling with, with the events that Jesus told. That's foretelling. It's often given to, to the end of an encouraging someone and giving them an anchor point to move forward. So oftentimes you'll tell someone, hey, this is what I think the Lord is showing me about what's going to happen. And, and it's in order to kind of anchor their hearts of saying there's hope. It brings hope. And Paul says that we, we give prophetic, prophetic words to, to build each other up. And so it's, it's the idea of throwing a lifeline of hope that they can, they can hold on to. Uh, we see this again before Jesus goes to heaven. He tells the disciples to go and wait, and that a helper would come. And they do it, and it happens. So it's the same kind of a thing. The second method of prophecy is, uh, and, and this is one of my, this is like my favorite kind, is called forthtelling. And forthtelling operates differently. Instead of telling the future in advance, it actually, and this is, it actually kind of causes events to come to fruition. Like you're speaking things into existence just like God does. And so if God that lives inside of you, he spoke the world into existence, he utters words to you and you speak those words and they, they, they're catalytic. And they can cause things to happen. A great example uh, of how this works, we, we can find it in Ezekiel where he's beginning to, to speak to the valley of dry bones and, and the Lord, the Spirit tells him, what do you see? And, and so he says, there's just a bunch of bones and he tells him, he says, speak to the bones. And then they do, they come to life and he speaks life into them and, and he commands them to come up through the, through the anointing and, and the movement of Jesus and the bones actually become an army that rises up. And so we, we can see it in Jesus' ministry as well. Many times he'll speak things into existence. He'll, he'll command things to happen. He'll command eyes to open and ears to open and healing. And he'll say, you can go home now, they're healed. And so forthtelling is, is this capacity that we have, and it's unbelievable that if, we, if we're in line with, with what Jesus is speaking, we can actually begin to speak things into existence. Now, this can get carried to a lot of different places. And there's been a lot of damage done in the name of prophecy. And we have to understand that too. But what we always want to do is we always want to, to answer abuse with neglect. Right? We always want to say, this has been abused, so let's neglect it. And that's really never the solution, ever. And so what we have to do is, is see the abuse, acknowledge the abuse, and then still run towards it. Because it's good. And typically, if something has been abused... It's because the enemy knows that there's so much power around this thing. If he can get us distracted from the original purpose and keep us away from it, it's really going to make his life a lot easier. And so I'll, I'll, I'll promise you it's a, it's a ploy. And the church has, has abused this and people have abused this. And, and that's just people. Because we see in part and we know in part and we're not there yet. We're not all the way. And people are going to be stupid sometimes. I am. And so we make room here. It's a vineyard value that, that everyone can operate in this. 
And because everyone can operate in this and everyone is different and, and they're in different parts of their journey and different parts of their walk, then we're going to be able to take everything in. And, and as it says in the scriptures, that we're going to actually test the spirits. We can, we can work this out. We can treasure it in our hearts. We can, we can actually maybe say, well, that's one's not right. And I don't know if you've ever seen me. Sometimes I'm up here and, and I'll, I'll say, hey, is there anyone here uh, who's got a hip injury? And like... Seven out of ten times, nobody does. And I just fall flat on my face. And luckily you guys are gracious. Or you haven't caught it. You didn't realize that's what I was doing. It's because I felt like the Lord was saying something and I stepped out. I took a risk. And sometimes he does. And I hear right. And sometimes it's, it's pizza. And it's a vineyard value that we have to understand that, that it's okay to fail. It's okay to mess up. And it keeps us from exalting uh, the one person and it keeps us on a level playing field as, as brothers and sisters who are in this together and so that's part of what we talk about like when we do the school of kingdom ministry we, we sort of like bat away all of these ideas that, that you know we have to put you to death if you get it wrong so there's a lot of pressure don't get it wrong we also give grace we make safe places and so we have to understand that, that when we do this, sometimes you want to do this because it makes you feel cool. And that's sometimes how people get in trouble. They want to be lifted up. They want people to see them as maybe more than they are. But the point of the gifts, the point of the prophetic, has to originate from a heart of love. It has to... It has to be for other people and not for ourselves. And, and if, we're, if we're in that vein, if we're in that line of thinking, then it's going to be okay. The gifts are for other people. They're not for ourselves. Romans 12, 6 says that we have different gifts. And according to the grace that, that given to each of us, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. And then we know Galatians 5, 6 says... If for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So you prophesy according to the measure of your faith, and the faith that you have is actually expressed in love. And so the reason, the motivation for the prophetic word is because we love the people. And you won't have any authority if you don't love them. Your words are going to fall. They're going to fall flat. Because you're not... You're not ministering out of the heart of love that, that he commanded you to. And so when we do this, we have to understand that we're doing this from a position of love. And if you are, it's okay to try. So I would encourage you that as you go around, that, that you begin to ask the Lord, would you show me what you think of this person? Show me how you love this person. Show me, show me your heart for this person. And he will. And then you can speak that. And you can say, man, I just feel like the Lord is just, man, he just loves you so much. And I just feel this sense. This is so powerful, you guys. So powerful. And that's what we're called to be. And it's scary. It takes risk. We have this cliche now in the vineyard that, that was started a long time ago of how do you spell faith? It's R-I-S-K. Because any sort of action in your faith is going to be a giant risk. And, and we have to say in the beginning that you will fail. And you will say, I feel like the Lord is saying that 
you just had a brown car. I'm like, no, I have a pink bicycle. <laughs> and then you just say, all right, okay. You see in part and you know in part. And that's okay. And I've heard stories of people that have given wrong words, but because of the wrong words, that they've seen incredible growth in those people because it opens up this conversation of what in the world is wrong with you? What are you talking about? And it allows them to begin to speak in to things in a certain way that's just completely different. It's other than. And the Lord is calling us into this. He's calling us to be a prophetic church, a church that, that, that works towards, that tries everything, that earnestly desires to speak the words of God. It's what's needed. Right? He's calling us to, to say peace, to prophetically proclaim peace when there's war all over. And we release that peace, things change. And what it takes us years or decades to do in our own strength, a word from him can change things instantaneously. And he's wondering, he's asking his church, when will you begin to function in your DNA? Because the spirit of prophecy is this testimony of Jesus, and the testimony of Jesus is what he's building his church on. And if we're not prophetically speaking his words, then we're not gonna see the change that he longs for. And he's longing for us to begin to move in that. So we're gonna do something a little bit different today. We're gonna, we're gonna make a time available that if you would like to have a prophetic word, if you would like, if you say, you know, it's been a long time since I felt the Lord knows me. I would love to hear something. We have some people that we've been training through and I've talked to them beforehand, so, so don't come down necessarily unless I've talked to you to be the ones to do that or I'll tap you on the shoulder. But there's people that I know that, that you know, most of the time they say things and it's pretty good, safe. We, have, we, have, we do no harm here in ministry time. We may not do good, but we're not going to do any harm. <laughs> and so I, I would ask you that if you, if you want to experience this, the Lord longs to speak to you. He longs to speak to you. If you remember the prodigal son, the father is standing off way in the distance, and he runs towards you. So as soon as you say, I, I, I want to hear from you, you don't have to work for it. I mean, he, he eagerly desires to give you those things. So we're gonna have a time. So we're gonna, we're gonna play some worship music and, and just ask the Spirit if, 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 do you have anything that you wanna say? Or I, want, I would like to experience some of this stuff. And you can come up here and, and we'll, we'll pray for you and see, is there anything the Lord wants to say? And maybe it won't be. Maybe, maybe they just say, I just feel like the Lord says he loves you so much. And that may seem sort of anticlimactic, but is there anything we need to know more? Anything we need to be reminded of more of how much the Lord loves you. And so I, I would say that, that it's available, it's here. And we're not magic, and we get it wrong. But we will pray for you. And we will say, Lord, is there anything that you want to say? And then we'll say, I think this is what the Lord is saying. And you can have the freedom to say, nah. And we'll hug you anyway. And that's okay. So we're gonna pray and then we're gonna open up a time. And so what I would tell you to do is if you would like some, just come to the front and then we'll have people come and meet you. And, uh, and, and then they'll pray for you and, and we'll have some fun. Okay? Jesus, we just thank you so much. 
We thank you that, that you eagerly desire to speak to us, that you eagerly desire to show that you love us, that you know us, that you're with us, that you're for us and not against us. And there's so many voices right now that are just banging in our ears that tell us the opposite. The world is screaming lies at us. And we're desperate to hear your truth. Would you make your truth known today in our hearts? Holy Spirit, would you come? So I just felt like, too, as, as I was preparing for this, there's, there's a couple things that the Lord wants to do specifically. A couple things that he wants to tell people specifically. There's people, I think, here that uh, the Lord is bringing opportunities that don't look like the opportunities that you think you should have. And he wants to resource you and he wants to equip you. And uh, there's like this religious idea in your mind that this doesn't, this isn't right. And he wants to say, this isn't me. Test it. Test it with the scriptures. Everything that you hear should be aligned with the scriptures. But he wants to tell you that, that the things that you're hearing as far as opportunities and resourcing, they're, they're from him. So I'm not sure who that's for. But, and then if you do, if you would like a word, please come forward. We would love to pray for you. And we'd love to see if the Lord is, is speaking to you today. For all upcoming events or more information about the Nashville Vineyard Church, please check us out at www.nashvillevineyard.org. Thank you again for listening, and we hope you have a great day.